Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the Whole Foods Conference Center in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, for the big PSE gender reveal party, it is a stamp. Yay! Well, this is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 241, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center. This is Tom. This is Cash. This is Scott. This is Mark. So, Scott, that was Chicago. Cold, wet, windy. So, a lot like last year. Oh, you mean the stamp show. Oh. (laughs) Cold, wet, windy. Oh, wait. (laughs) No, actually, the stamp show was good. Um... It seemed a little bit less traffic, but uh, it's still overall, I think most of the dealers did well. Uh, people I heard a lot up, of them did well. They were very happy. People that showed up were happy to part with their money for new purchases, and yep. uh, the dealers are always happy with that. PSE did well. I know that, too. Yeah, yeah. PSE did well. How many dealers go to the Chicago show? Uh, I guess about 60. Wow. It's, they pack it in. Um, the interesting thing was that uh, they they usually have two rooms. Ooh. They have a main room and a, a side ballroom. That nobody goes and, to. Uh, in in years past, they've had the Regency auction in the side room, uh, along with a couple of other dealers. And uh, last year and this year, obviously Regency wasn't around to hold an auction, so. Uh, they just had dealers in the other room. And uh, the traffic in the second room was so bad this year that on the second day of the show, they put a nice huge sign up outside the, the main room that said they were going to have a ra- they were going to raffle off a mint $5 Colombian. The catch was you could only buy raffle tickets from dealers in the secondary room. <laughs> <laughs> so on and, the second day, nobody was in the first room. Uh, no, no I, I, I still don't think anybody went over there and I, I, I don't know for sure, but as far as I know, nobody bought raffle tickets. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah, that was very surprising. And I, I actually intended to get over there, but I got pulled in so many different directions in the main room that I never actually made it over to that room this year. So and you that's didn't a buy first. a raffle ticket either? Nope. That's a first. Because uh, every other year I've been, I've I've actually gone and spent at least half a day in the second room. Was and the this, second room populated by dealers selling, or is it societies? Or no, it was dealers selling. Ah, or um, in I this mean, case, and, and not selling. Actually, actually <laughs> you know, some decent dealers like Wayne Garrett and you know some of those other guys. I think uh, Jerry Kep was in the other room. Well, in uh, on Facebook they were sending pictures, and obviously somebody in the second room. Was on the Facebook, yeah, and they were sending out pictures with just nobody in the room. <laughs> and it was like, Whoa. like I said, like I said, there was we were when looking on Facebook. We were worried. It's like, oh my god, you know, is this a washout show and everything like that? And it's like, no, the show was fantastic. I mean, literally nobody complaining, except for the people in the second room. Yes, yes. <laughs> so 
Um, uh, actually, I think there was discussions about not having a second room next year. Oh, you think? And uh, I think that's a, a very smart idea for two reasons. One, you don't have a room that's kind of uh, a dead zone. And two, you have more competition for dealers in the main room. Yeah. And uh, it's always a better show when you have a waiting list for dealers um, because you can always keep the dealers in line. Now, one of the things I was very disappointed in seeing was that at uh, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, about half the dealers were uh, at least 50% to 90% packed out. And if you walked into the show the last hour, you'd have sworn it was over. Oh, you, like on Sunday? Yeah, yeah it was terrible. Yeah. And they actually have in their contract that you're not supposed to leave. It, the board's chair is the one who does that. And, and uh, they Steve have to Patillo, enforce it. Yeah, Steve Patillo, he, he and, literally uh, says, if you pack up and leave early, you will never do another one of our shows. And he forces the dealers to sit there. He yelled at you one year. Yeah, oh, yeah. You were just bringing stuff because you had your cart. And it's like, yeah. this wasn't show stuff. Yep, yep. <laughs> and he's like, you can't leave. And go, we're not leaving. You know, so a lot of people, you know, they'll sort of like pack up and get started, but they don't leave the booth. They're still right. there. Right. Well, I mean, this was literally people out the door. Yeah. Before three. That's the fault and, of the deer's and, board's and chairman. I, I mentioned it to him. I said, look, you need to have an enforcement policy where if they leave... Uh, they either aren't invited back or they go to the bottom of the list and anybody on a waiting list gets in. And realistically, it's just if you tell them not to do it, they won't because they understand. Oh, no, they were told not to. Yeah, and but they you still have to did. tell them forcefully. But you you have to have you have to back it up and you have to follow through and, yeah. and they're not. So that was really disappointing. But uh, I, I think after having a good weekend, the dealers just wanted to get out of there and. It did rain most of the weekend, a oh, little well, a little bit. Shocking, it, raining in yeah. Chicago huh. in well, November. It snowed last year. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> last year was much colder. We had snow and ice and all of that. This year it wasn't that bad. Global uh, warming. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I used Uber for the first time, and that was a interesting experience. The Midway Airport set up really nice. They have an Uber and Lyft. Um, thing out in the taxi area, uh, and it's just a big long thing. And I got I got in the line. There's nobody in line, but there were like twenty Uber people lined up to take rides, and there was no line for pickup. So it was basically book it at the beginning of the you know, and you're at the beginning of the line. So you just show your code to the first driver, and off you go. But uh, was there yeah. a big difference in price between using the Uber and the regular taxi? Oh yeah, the regular taxi was about eighty five dollars. Oh. The Uber was uh, forty six or forty eight plus tip. Hmm. And and then and the nice thing was the car was a lot cleaner. The driver <laughs> driver was a lot friendlier. Well, they go they get rated. Oh yeah, you know you get stars on. Oh Uber. yeah, I know. I I, yeah. I rated the driver. You know the drivers rate you too. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a jerk. Yeah. Or no one's going to want to pick you up later. Yeah, I saw yeah. a person, they they had a person who had a 2.3 star Uber rating. I'm surprised they even get anyone to pick them up anymore. It, how, yeah, that's how do you what find they out were what saying. your own rating is? Uh, you have to be told. Oh. <laughs> I read from a thing um, on the uh, 
article about that from an Uber driver, and he said basically, you know, it's a five star system. And he goes, basically, if you're four point six or less, I'm not picking you up. Whoa! <laughs> so the the criteria goes down really fast. Mm. Well, yeah, it's just like anything. But in two point three, I'm like, oof. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what get, did you do? <laughs> you, get dri- you get drivers out there who can't afford to be picky, and they'll pick up anybody. Mm. And you get drivers out there who can. You know, they have really nice cars and. The 2.3 drivers are picking up the 2.3 passengers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so they you, probably deserve each other. If, if you like Uber and want a really good laugh, watch the mo- the new movie Stuber. Ugh. It is hilarious. With Dave Bautista and uh, I forget what the Indian guy's name is. Well, if we're uh, so- giving shout outs <laughs> on Netflix, me and Don watched a uh, thing. Uh, it was... On Broadway, and it's uh, two old men talking. It just it, it's hilarious. Just do a search for on Broadway. Speaking of non sequiturs, non sequiturs. Well, he, he we, we need to uh, give free advertising to Netflix and Uber, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess Mark didn't get a chance to go. No, no, I would have liked but, to, but. Uh, could make it this it, uh, time. Rasdale had a sale uh, during the show, and they had a booth at the show. And the nice thing was that they had a projection. They projected the uh, the live auction up on the wall behind their booth mm-hmm. so that you could see it from halfway across the room. And all the dealers who wanted to bid could monitor where the auction was before they had to run out and <laughs> drive over. That to, is so the, incredibly smart. Yep, that is. That, that's That's huge. a great idea. I uh, keep... Because, you know, I work with Sescal. I keep saying, you know, you got to have more stuff on the floor. If you're going to have an auction, you know, down the hallway, five doors down or, you know, the yeah. at least, and at least stuff. put the video. And yeah. I mean, they didn't have the audio cranked up. They just had the video. Running. Right. And uh, and you they didn't have the sale at the show. It was at their offices down the road. So you actually had to leave the show to to go to to the. But bet you and, didn't. No. And, and the, uh, oh, bet you money you could have gone to the retail booth. But if they had, if they had had it set up at the show, to where yeah. they had somebody selecting, taking bids on the floor. Oh, guaranteed there was somebody doing that there. Well, they well, actually, if there they was, they didn't weren't. do a good job at marketing that. If they, people were they, leaving, to they go actually through. weren't because I know a number of people who asked about that, and they said, "Well, if you have internet access, you can just bid online." And some dealers did, some didn't, but the internet access was had to be paid for in the ballroom. So, hmm. and of course, a lot of dealers didn't have their computers and didn't like bidding on their phones. I guess so. That's um, an easy fix. Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, it's like at Aeropex. When uh, we're at Aeropex, I'm going to I mean, try I, to get Scott to do his lecture, not in some room down the corridor, but literally on I, the floor. I usually have my computer with me. And, oh, everybody! And does. if I need to bid, I just, I just go back up to my room and bid. Yeah, or, but then you I have to leave hot, the show. Or, or I put a hotspot on my phone and, bam, I'm on the internet. The whole idea is don't have people leave your show when you're trying to get them to your show. Well, yeah. So, but anyway, I, I thought it was a great idea for Rasdale to have that up if on I were, the wall. If I were Rasdale, I would have been paying for the internet access so that people could walk up to the booth and put in their bids on the lots oh, as they saw stuff coming up. Oh, yeah. So yeah, you just walk up to their booth. Could, could that have would had, be cool. Could have had two or three laptops there, but unfortunately, there would be those people who would uh, 
monopolize and uh well that's that would be a process for them to figure out but there's well the other thing is you have to log when you when you bid on the internet you have to log in and so when you log in you're given your own individual bidder number and so for somebody else to bid you have to log out and they have to log in and if you want if you were bidding on one lot they want to bid on the next lot there's really no time when they're running the auction for that to happen you literally have to log in a couple lots early to make sure that you're logged in and everything's working fine. But if the auction house has papers that or tickets or like paddles that they could hand out and say, okay, you know, oh, I want to bid on this and here's my number. All they need to have is a phone. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and somebody over at, the, at live at the auction taking phone bids. Yeah. And they can pass the phone from bidder to bidder. I think there's a lot of things you could probably do to make that work. I agree, but, but they uh, didn't. So did they have any? Anyway. Big, did they have any big draw like they did last year with the Smithsonian Postal Museum being there? Uh, no, I didn't see any big draws uh, like that. Because I think that brought in a lot of people. Because I went to that one. Yeah. And that room was packed. Yeah. No, that was practically standing room only. Yeah, I don't think they had much of that going on. Obviously, they had uh, they had some society meetings, like the, the Poland Society always meets there. But uh, the big bummer was that the uh, Japanese restaurant in the in the hotel was closed this year, and uh, they were closed for ten days, huh. including the show weekend, and that kind of was a bummer because I was looking forward to eating there. Yeah, that's a good restaurant. It, it is. is. It's a very good restaurant. So had to find food elsewhere. Well, on to this week's topic, since we Chicago was what two weeks ago now. <laughs> yeah, well, but we had Thanksgiving, so. Uh, how to tell the big, luscious, voluptuous holes of a Scott ten fifty seven from the pathetically small and painfully embarrassing holes of a Scott ten fifty seven C. For those of you who don't know what 1057 is, it's the purple three-cent Liberty, Statue of Liberty stamp from the Liberty series. A puny stamp. A puny Unless it has these voluptuous holes with it. From the 1950s. And that is one that also comes both tagged and untagged. Large mm-hmm. holes, small holes. Um, and the tagged is the known can, as the can, look coil, right? Can be either look tagging or philatelic tagging. Ah. Uh, the look tagging was the original printing. The look tagging was the original printing, and when collectors found out about that, there was a huge demand. Uh, all of the first printing that was tagged went to Look Magazine to mail out their, uh, their business mailings. Their return envelopes and, all had the stamp on them. Right, and, uh, and so the collectors wanted the tagged stamps, so they made a whole new printing, and they used a slightly different uh, tagging ink, I guess. And so they, they look different under uh, under ultraviolet light, uh, but they're both tagged. So, and the look so coil is more look the look coil is more scarce. Ah, so you can't just look at it and go, look, it's tagged. Yes. Right. So the, the look tagging is brighter, isn't it? The look tagging came out in rolls of three thousand only. Uh huh. And the uh, 
the philatelic printing came out in rolls of 500. So it made a big difference. So if you see an extra large roll like that, you know it's uh, the good one. Hmm. Well, when the Bureau of Engraving and Printing changed from 384 subject printing plates to 432 subject printing plates, they also changed the perforation hole size. Although both holes are considered gauge 10, they are slightly different. Because it was such a trivial change, the BEP and the USPOD didn't make a fuss over it and didn't announce the change to stamp collectors. Therefore, some of these varieties are very expensive because it wasn't until years later that specialists noted the differences and different catalog numbers were given to the varieties. The easiest way to identify a large and small hole variety is with a pair of stamps. Single stamps can be identified, but it's a little more challenging when you only have half a hole to look at. Isn't technically half a hole still a whole hole? It's uh, still a hole. It, it, you mean, is it like uh, the lasagna thing, where if you have two lasagnas, and you lay one lasagna on top of the other lasagna, now you have one lasagna? You just have uber lasagna. Uber lasagna. <laughs> so, Scott, how do you tell the difference in hole size? I have a good eye. <laughs> large is large and small is small. Um, well, that's incredibly up, helpful. Can, can, you, can you hold one up to the microphone and maybe be more in-depth here? Yeah, well, here, let me hold up my up U.S. Up is down and down is up. Yeah, let me hold up my U.S. Precision multi-gauge. Uh-huh. Uh, Why don't you tell people what that is? Because oh, that is something that... We've talked about that many times. Okay, do a um, search because this is a tool that every single stamp collector should have. It's only like 15 bucks and it's way for, worth it. For U.S. stamps, that is correct. Um, it's a clear acetate template and it has... Uh, uh, you can use it as a perf gauge, a grill gauge, a cancel measuring device... It's got a multi-gauge on it. It's got Q-Solace gauge on it. It's got the small hole, large hole uh, sizes. Rotary template. That's an it's important It's got a rotary one. template on it. Uh, pretty much anything for the U.S. specialist is that, that they can think of that they put on here. Mine, mine has a corkscrew. <laughs> <laughs> and the toothpick. <laughs> yep. Uh, so that is probably the quickest way to get started and what you want to do is you want to take the uh the clear acetate and you want to lay it over top of the stamp not underneath you want to don't want to put the stamp on top of the the gauge you want to put the gauge on top of the stamp because those holes are specifically sized and the difference in the sizes is only about a tenth of a millimeter so when you when you line it up you want the the dots on the gauge to fill the hole you don't want them to spill over to the stamp. And when you play with it, you'll kind of figure that out, that the small holes will be too small and the large holes will just fit on a normal stamp. And on a small hole stamp, the large holes will actually obscure the entire hole and the small holes will just fit right inside the hole. And it's, it's a very tight fit. But um, as you play with it and have experience using it, you will come to learn... Uh, the proper way to use it and how to identify the two. And once you've got a few, then you can just look at them. You can play with them, measure them on with a, a millimeter gauge, things like that. And uh, in general, the small holes measure about 0.9 millimeters in width 
and the perf teeth in between will measure 1.1. Whereas on the large holes, it's 1.0 for each. Now, uh, the small holes tend to be somewhat cleaner cut in general on these coils. So um, that's also another thing. When you me If you're just measuring the hole size with a millimeter gauge, it can throw you off because the large holes sometimes look smaller because they weren't cleanly cut. If I can interrupt just for a second. Okay. Why does this matter? Money. Mm. How much money are we talking about? Uh, could be a dollar or two. Could be couple hundred dollars well what's a uh what is it the one and a quarter cent as the, small hole the, is the a buck 35 and the large hole is 350 dollars yeah the c52 uh the difference is uh i don't know what five or seven dollars for the large hole and for a pair and two hundred dollars for a small hole pair yeah and then the well, five center the five cent uh, franklin coil or washington franklin coil one, one of the one of the really good ones is the untagged pre-canceled two and a half cent oh mm. that one's a really good one some still actually have dashes for prices for the small holes don't they that is true so what we're talking about here really the, is something that has a payoff to it it's not just it fly specky sort of philatelic nonsense it can this yes. is major bucks. and they've actually gone back to the praxis and uh the although the praxis were produced in a different for a different reason um that had to do with maintenance and changing the size of the pins not changing the perforator and being so uniform like the the coils of the liberty series yeah so generally a large hole is equal to or larger than the paper between the perf holes. And a small hole is smaller than the paper between the perforations. So you can measure That's essentially them. essentially correct. But, so you can measure them. You can use the, uh, the, um, oh, the, what is, uh, shoot, the multi-gauge. God had a brain fart there. Oh, look at that. It was in the script and I just didn't, I just jumped. <laughs> I did my normal thing and I jumped all the way down without even reading the script. So. How about that? Anyway, the uh, so if you can go to your Scott's catalog and pull up some of these stamps, you will see that there is a humongous difference in value on these things. There can be, and the interesting thing is that they're in general they are not uh, they don't have different letterings. They list the large holes and the small holes uh, under the same listing with the same catalog number. Um. A lot of times they do have different listings, but well, I mean, no. Although there are some types that where the large hole is more common, they'll list the large hole first, mm -hmm. and then the small hole. And when the small hole is more common, they'll list the small hole and then the large hole. So it it can be different. The um, catalog can be tricky on that. Yeah. Yes. You got wet and dry printing. You got dull gum versus well, they've, shiny they've gum. Kind of, they've kind of standardized the wet and dry printings because the wet printings yeah. came first, and they've reordered them so that it's not doesn't seem random anymore. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is consistent because they were issued first, so they're listed first. Yeah, as certificate issuers, we have a unique problem with that. Why don't you <laughs> tell the well, problem yeah. that we went through with it? Well, yeah, when they changed all the catalog numbers, now I have to change all the... This, the, we have a, a specification number assigned for each catalog number. And when they do that, 
then I have to. It interferes with the way that we we do that, and so. Well, you would you could have very easily a uh, ten fifty four from uh, a certificate from 1990. Right. And, and, it, might, and, it, might say this, and it might say the spec number is 10,004. Yeah. Well, if you looked it up today, spec number 10,004 has a different catalog number than it did 15 years ago. Right. So the old catalog or the old certificates have yeah. the wrong number. If you look at it today, it has but the they right have the correct number. It has the right characteristics for that specification, meaning it's the dry printed one. But it has a different catalog number today because they changed the catalog right. number. Yeah. So, one so of, if you're one feeling of the, holes, one of the key things is to look at the date on the certificate. Yes, you and have to, and use the catalog number, uh, the catalog uh, from that year. From that year, when when it first occurred, I forget what year it was. Uh, Two thousand fifteen or fourteen, one or the other. And uh, people were saying, oh, you put the wrong number on it. go, no, we put the number. We, this certificate is issued in 2014, so we're using the 2014 Scott's catalog. The 2015 Scott's catalog is different. Resubmit the stamp, you know, in six months, and you'll get another certain. You know, so it, it was a bit of an issue for a lot of this stuff, because especially like a 1056, we were talking about it. The large hole variety a pair is $3.50 and the small hole variety is $3,000. That's a big difference. Yeah. Well, that wraps us up for today. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, episode number 241. This was Tom. This was Scott. This was Cash. This was Mark. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.